0: Please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated.
1: May is a big month for our church, for us as a people, for me as a family. It begins with really at the end of April, my fourth child, third daughter's birthday. Her name is Esther Kate. She just turned 8. It's easy for me to remember how long I've been in this current position because of her birthday. She was born just a few weeks before I was installed as senior pastor. I remember when the men downstairs began to meet her as a new nursery member. Gail Emerson would announce, Esther Kate is with us today. And the men didn't hear that. They heard, Extra cake is going to be with us today. And they came forward looking for that treat. It's true. It really happened. Mother's Day... Is coming in May. Does anybody know when? When? Yeah, next Sunday. Don't forget, every one of you. I'll remind you then, and there'll be places you can run to, but it's better to be prepared. Then May 15th, we're going to celebrate the 25th anniversary of this church. God's faithfulness is amazing, and it's going to continue to be. We're just beginning. We can say that, really until the day in which Christ returns or calls us home. May 18th is another anniversary, and that's my wife and I's 25th. We got married essentially the same weekend that this church was born. It's an amazing month, a lot to celebrate. And I'm so glad that the Lord has called us, all of us, to this time and place to be used by him to extend his kingdom to continue to make known to people the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, the world continues to offer the lies. The enemy continues to offer the lies of of a false reality, of something else that will make you pleased and happy. And as we watch it unfold before us with horror, we need to be encouraged that this is nothing new. God has seen all this before. The cycle of sin, oppression, deliverance has continued since the beginning of time. The Lord is not finished. And he's going to finish his task. He will complete that which he has started. And the God who ordains all who are going to be saved also ordains the means by which they are saved. And that is our God using his people to draw people to himself. And what's going to happen, I believe, is that as darkness begins to become darker, as people begin to turn even more and more and more away from the Lord, their lives and the lives of those they're leading are going to be impacted in a very destructive way. And not all, but I believe many are going to come to the realization that this doesn't work. I need something more. And there will be answers to that. But the one answer will still be offered, the one ultimate answer, and that is that Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. We do not need to fear the darkness because we are filled with the one who is the light of the world. And because of that, compassion must consume us. For those who are living in darkness, we must really seek the Lord's face as a church to say, How do you want to use us to make this good news known? In our neighborhoods, in our families, in our places of work, in our schools, in our areas of recreation, whatever passions we have. And I believe God's gonna do that. And we as a church need to be prepared to open these doors, as we've been saying we are doing for 25 years, to all who would come who need Jesus. David wrote the song that you just heard. One of the reasons I love the Psalms is because we can connect very quickly to what the psalmist is saying or what the psalmist is singing. I want you to think about David for a moment. David was the king. He was a man born with a lot of brothers, brothers who treated him poorly, who rejected him. He experienced the reality of going to deliver goods to his brothers and then he stood between two armies, both which were mocking him. One in which he was on the side of, the other was the enemy. He went and confronted a giant who also mocked him and then by God's grace and for his glory, he took the giant down. What a man, he was only a boy then but then called into King Saul's service. Not long after that, King Saul began to pursue him, to kill him. He ran for his life. One day, he's anointed king. The one who slayed that giant is now slayed by lust. Up on a rooftop, when all kings are at war, he looks where he shouldn't, and he keeps looking. He then calls for this woman to come to him. She becomes pregnant. The shame... The embarrassment leads him to manipulate and ultimately murder. That's the one who wrote this psalm. That is the man that God, the Holy Spirit, carried along as he penned these words. David, described as a man after God's own heart, gives us a window into his soul, which is a window into our soul. We're going to look at this psalm this morning and next week. And so this morning, in some ways, is just a a brief survey. And I'm going to give you some homework. And then I want you to come back with an anticipation of what you might see. Let's begin by just looking at the first couple of verses. David says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. What a great phrase. What does it mean for a person to lift up their soul? David is saying, to you, this is very personal, to you, the God of the universe, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. He then says, O my God, in you I trust. Trusting God is a very difficult thing. It's not as difficult to know why we should trust in him. In other words, it's not that difficult to tell the truth about why he's worthy of our trust. But to trust in him is difficult. This side of heaven, the journey that we're on, so many false truths are given, so many counterfeit things to trust in are there. It's been like that since Satan tempted Eve and Adam. But the truth of God's character, his attributes, and his actions should lead us to be like David, to say, in you, God, I trust. A week ago, I was with a group of 18 men on a silent retreat. 17 men joined me up in Colorado for three days of complete silence. A group of women went the weeks before. This is ministry that came out of that silent retreat and sabbatical I had four years ago. It's pretty amazing, and each time we finish a retreat, the men gather just as the women did, and you begin to share that which you heard from the Lord, that which the Holy Spirit convicted you of, encouraged you with, and how the Word of God truly spoke to you. Oftentimes, there's a thread that you begin to see as you listen, that God is doing so many similar things in each of our lives, and this one time, just last Sunday, Sunday night a week ago, as the men spoke, all 18 of us, there was a thread. And the thread was we, we're, we struggle to trust God for who he is. We know the truth about who he says he is, but we, we're struggling to truly trust, to truly surrender, to truly be at peace with all of who he says he is. And I'm one of them. My daughter Esther Kate, on her birthday, asked her what she would like just a few weeks out, her mom did the same. And the first thing on her list for a number of days was, I want a microscope. I want a microscope. And I thought, I never did that. I never wanted a microscope. My wife did. So maybe that's where Esther Kate gets it. And so my little girl got a microscope. We also ordered the slides that come with it, slides that have so many different things that you could put underneath and look at it. I mean, just bizarre things. And she has loved going in and looking at these images multiplied hundreds of times to really see what's happening there. She's fascinated by it. I can't wait to see what the Lord does with this child. But it also means that pretty much everything she sees or comes in contact with now is available to go on a slide. I want to see what this bug looks like. I want to see what this slug looks like. I want to see what, and the list goes on and on. And it's pretty pretty interesting to focus in and see something that you couldn't see with the naked eye. God's word is is like that. It's alive as David Newman prayed. We need to continually take his word, put it on slides, and ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate new vision that we might see but not just vision that would cause us to say, I see that that's true, but vision that would move beyond just knowledge into true action, true surrender, true trust. And that's what I want to do with this psalm. I want to put it on these slides so that you and I can begin to look at it and say, yes, he is worthy of our trust all the time. So here's how I want to do it over the next two weeks. First, this morning, I want to look at the condition of David's soul. I want to look at how David described himself. Then I want to look at, over the next weeks, what that led to in terms of David's request. And lastly, why? Why did David trust the Lord? So this is just going to be a survey for a few more minutes. Here's what I want you to see. David describes the condition of his soul in this psalm. In nine different ways. One of the things that's so beautiful about the Psalms is we can instantly connect. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to read the descriptions that David gives of his own soul, the soul that he is lifting up to the Lord. There are at least nine. So listen carefully and quickly, because I'm going to go fast. Number one, the condition of a soul is that he is in conflict with his enemies. That's verses 2 14, and 19. Secondly, he is searching for the right path. So the condition of David's soul is one of being in conflict with others, with real enemies. And in his soul, he's wondering, where am I to go? What's the next step? What's the next path? Number three, verse five, David is described, or he describes himself as waiting. Do you like to wait? Waiting. Does it cause you to trust more in the Lord? Or does the longer you have to wait cause you to begin to trust in other things? David says, I'm waiting. Next, verse 9, David describes his soul as being humbled. In verses 11 and 18, David says, I am guilty of sin. That's the condition of his soul. Verse 15, David says, I have been trapped. I am stuck. I can't get myself out. David describes the condition of his soul in verses 17 and 18 as being a soul that is in distress. David goes on in verse 18 to describe his heart, his soul. He says, Consider, or the verse before that, he says in verse 17, The troubles of my heart are enlarged. What a beautiful description. Do you feel that way ever? That the troubles of your heart and soul, they're enlarged? Certainly, like me, you do. And then he says in verse 16, and I think this is profound, I am lonely. Are you lonely? Do you feel lonely because you literally are? There aren't that many people around you that you're connected to? Or are you connected to so many people, yet you feel so lonely? If they really knew you, they wouldn't probably love you or accept you. You feel lonely in the the path that the Lord has you on or what's been delivered to you. This is what David is saying. These are the nine descriptions he gives of his soul. You can maybe count a few more or a few less, but these are all there. These, These nine conditions lead to at least 19 different requests by David in this psalm. I'm not going to go over them. I want you to look for them this week. Go home today, wake up tomorrow morning, spend some time each week going through this psalm. What were the things that David requested of the Lord out of this soul with these nine different conditions? And then answer this question. Why did David lift his soul up to the Lord and why did he trust him? I'm going to tell you why. I am going to go over these. There are about 10. Listen carefully. I'm going quickly, but these are amazing. This is what David says about the God he trusts. This is what David says about the God in whom he's lifting up his soul. Here's what he says just listen. He was sent is the God of salvation, verse five. None who wait on the Lord will be put to shame. Verse three, he is good and upright, verse eight. God instructs sinners, verses eight and 12. God, the one I've lifted my soul up to, The one in whom I'm seeking, he leads us and he teaches us, verse 9. All his paths, what a beautiful statement. Listen to this. All his paths are love and faithfulness. It doesn't always feel that way. And when it doesn't feel that way, we're, we're tempted not to trust him. He offers friendship. Verse 14. Do you see God that way? that in Christ you have friendship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lastly, verse 15, he sets us free from the trap. When David wrote this psalm, he was trusting in the promised Messiah to come. He was trusting in the God of salvation. He was trusting in the God who was leading him, who was with him, who would never forsake him. You and I live in a time after which Christ has come. Here's my question for you this week. Where is Jesus in this psalm? I want you to go away this week, open the psalm, look at all the requests that David made because of the condition of his soul, and all the reasons why he made them because of what he knew about the character, attributes, and actions of God. Look at all those requests and then ask this question. Where is Jesus in this psalm? And the reason why I want you to do that is that God gave us his word to fix our eyes on him. And when we fix our eyes on him, when we see the condition of our soul on a slide, when we see the character of God on a slide, when we see it magnified as the Holy Spirit illuminates, we become like David, bringing everything to the Lord, namely our soul. And then by God's grace and for his glory, we too say to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you, my God, I trust. And what the Lord does is he reminds us of who we are and who we are becoming. Where is Jesus in this psalm? May he bless you as you seek and find him there. Lord Jesus, We're so grateful for what you have done in fixing our eyes on you. We're so grateful that you left us the Holy Spirit who continues to illuminate and give us a vision for our own life in you. But I also thank you, Father, that David's focus wasn't just on himself. He prayed and sang at the very end of this psalm, redeem Israel, O God, out of his troubles. His focus wasn't just personal, but it was also corporate. All around us, Lord, in this sanctuary and beyond these doors, people are in trouble. They feel what David felt, and we want to point them to Jesus. But Lord, we must remember that we are dependent upon you to give us that vision and to lift our eyes. Fix our eyes on Jesus, now we pray. We love you and ask this in Jesus' name, amen.